The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Gail McDowell, and I'm the Executive Minister, Senior Assistant Minister, and the Director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple. Today I'm continuing my series on Ask and Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks, or as I'm calling it, Exploring Ask and It Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks. Now, obviously, for those who are aware of Esther Hicks, they know that she's one of the leading writers on the law of attraction. And she believes that uh, she experiences downloads from these higher uh, awarenesses and forces and beings she calls Abraham. Well, they call themselves Abraham. Again, as I stated before, I'm not here to debate that one way or another. What I'm doing is looking at the information based upon the new thought perspective. And when I say I'm not evaluating it. I'm not promoting or or denouncing it. That's her experience. And and I'm not here to say what somebody else experiences in their own spiritual life. But what I can do is say, let's take a look at the teachings. And if it's something that we can get out of the teachings that can help us live a better life, then I'm all for it. Therefore, I'm all for the work that she's doing because she's helping people live better lives. That's always the case of spiritual teachers and gurus, ministers, priests, uh, you know, imams, rabbis, uh, whatever, uh, monks, whatever you want to call them, people who dedicate their lives to making life better, easier, more productive, more fulfilling, more satisfying for human beings, always have my support. Now, today we're going to be covering chapter five and chapter six. And chapter five is the simple basis of understanding makes it all fit together. And what she wrote was, there is a current that runs through everything. It exists throughout the universe and it exists throughout all that is. It is the basis of the universe and it is the basis of your physical world. Some are aware of this energy, but most humans are unaware of it. However, everything is affected by it. Now, she she uses terms like source energy, vibration, et cetera. New Thought would use different terminology at times. For instance, I want to read this definition of omnipresence from the revealing word by Charles Fillmore. For a second here, moving stuff around. This microphone picks up everything. And just to give you an idea of what I mean by that. So she, Charles Fillmore wrote, I'm not presence. God is mine, capital M, by the way. The one mind contains all, and all ideas exist in the one mind. God is everywhere present. There is no place where God is not. 
Now, I just want you to just stop and think about what she just wrote. And then uh, when you get to the definition of life, the in the revealing words, the expression of being which manifests as animation, activity, vigor, life and substance are ideas and divine mind. Life is the acting principle. Substance is the thing acted upon. In the phenomenal world, life is the energy that propels all forms to action. Now, this is different terminology trying to teach the same thing. Let me give you another definition just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. And that definition is consciousness. Consciousness. Because we start talking about omnipresence. We're talking about vibration. We're talking about energy. We're talking about all of these different terms. I just want to just give you an idea about why term the, the difference in terms does not mean it's a difference really in meaning. It's just different writers use different terms to explain non-material things, ideas, concepts, uh, their spiritual hypothesis. They have to come up and sometimes create terminology or redefine terminology to make it fit what they feel as though spirit is downloading to them. So this definition, consciousness by Charles Fillmore in The Revealing Word, the sense of awareness, of knowing, the knowledge or, or realization of any idea, object, or condition, the sum total of all ideas accumulated in and affecting man's present being, the composite of ideas, thoughts, and emotions, sensation, and knowledge that make up the conscious, subconscious, and superconscious phases of mind. So... You know, sometimes you'll hear people say, you know, the consciousness of this, the consciousness of that. What are they really talking about? The sense of awareness, the sense of knowing. All right. And I'm going to give you one more definition for right now, at least, because I think you're getting what I'm saying. I'm hoping I'm praying that you're getting what I'm saying. And this definition is substance. It's also found in the revealing word. And the definition is. The divine idea of the underlying reality of all things. Notice how she, she wrote, there's a current that runs through everything. He's saying the divine idea of the underlying reality of all things. Substance is everywhere present, pervades all things, and aspires to action. It underlies all manifestation and is the spiritual essence, the living energy out of which everything is made. Through substance, all the attributes of being are expressed. I just want you to just stop there. So if you're used to hearing it from this type of terminology versus the Esther Hicks terminology, then you will know how to balance it and play with it a little bit. Now, back to the book. It goes on to say, uh, as you begin to understand the basis of your world, you will begin to look for a better said feel for your awareness of this source energy that is the basis of all things. You will then understand that everything, you will then understand everything about your own experience. You will also more clearly understand the experiences of those around you. So then she says it's sort of like dealing with math. When you start understanding these principles and laws, it gives you the ability to um, have anticipation for the future and comprehension for the past. So she goes on to write in page 22, you'll never again feel like a victim in the past or future. 
cowering from the idea of unwanted things pouncing into your life experience. It shifts your, when you understand spiritual principles, when you understand who you are in God and who God is in you, it changes your point of view. It changes your perspective. It changes your consciousness. And if it changes your consciousness, it changes your experience. All right. Then she wrote, it is, it will be extremely satisfying. It will be an extremely satisfying experience to identify your own personal desires which will be rising from the contrasting life experiences that you are living and to know that each of those desires can be fully realized. So just stop and pause for the moment and just think, my desires can be fully realized. As you've heard me say on this podcast many times, there is a way. God in you knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Therefore, there is a way. It might not be clear to me right now, but there is a way. There's a way to produce this health. There's a way to produce this money. There's a way to produce the harmonious relationships. There's a way to produce this business success. Because the omniscience, the all wisdom of God resides in you, through you, as you. There is a way. We have to open our eyes mentally to the possibility that there is a way. There is a way. Lord, open my eyes so I can see. There is a way. So she went on to write, from that place of belief, and remember, a belief is what you accept is true. From that place of belief, from that place of understanding, again, as Amy Fox wrote, there's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. From that place of belief, from that place of understanding, the basics are always consistent. You will now shorten the time between the inception of your idea and your idea of desire and its full and absolute manifestation. So what it's saying is when you better understand the law of God, whether you call it law of attraction, divine law, anything else, then you recognize that the demonstration is totally dependent on you being in alignment with that which you desire. Johnny Coleman used to say, you heard that it was said what you are seeking is seeking you. But what I'm saying is what you are seeking you are or what I am seeking I am. Can you just look at what I am seeking? I am. Reverend Ike used to say, I am is your first name. What you put after I am is your last name. The I am is the unformed awareness that can be anything, the unlimited potential, the infinite possibilities. What you put behind it is your intention, your clarity of thought, your conviction of feeling. That's your last name. What are you putting on your I am? Going back to the book. So she went on to write, you are a vibrational being in a vibrational environment. You can feel whether you are allowing your full connection to the source energy or not. Now, let me just stop here for a second because most people know when you talk to them, when they feel a sense of spiritual connection and when they feel a sense of separation. And the more spiritually developed you are, the more you recognize when you don't feel as though you're 
consciously connected. So let me just say this. Make sure that you're taking time for your prayer time, your meditation time, your readings, your contemplation of truth. Because going out into the world without doing your spiritual work is like walking out walking out by Lake Michigan in Chicago in the middle of January with just your underwear on. Your body's not built for that. The, the conditions can potentially damage you. Going out into the world without having your consciousness prepared in truth can potentially damage you. Damage your way of thinking. Impose fear and anxiety on you. All of these thoughts about not being good enough. Well, you got to change who you are. You know, I remember years ago, I was getting ready for work and I was watching the news. And as I was getting dressed, I can remember a segment where they were talking about Asian women and then specifically Korean at the time who were getting surgeries on their eyes to make their eyes look wider instead of slanted because they wanted the eyes to look like these were women, like white women. And, and I said, man, who told them they weren't beautiful? By what standard are they measuring that beauty? That they, that they have to look somebody like somebody else to be beautiful? This, this is what the world will present to you. All type of erroneous and crazy stuff. Because when you walk out, when you deal with the world, you're dealing with the mass consciousness. And everybody is not enlightened. Everybody's not walking in their Christ understanding. Therefore, you have to develop the consciousness to be able to still pro produce the results you desire in God and not get distracted by the appearances of the world or what people are trying to present to you. So back to the book, you can feel it when you're not in alignment. You can feel it when you're off. It doesn't feel right. And that should be your clue to say, let me, let me shut down and recalibrate. I can remember many years ago when I, you know, I was just in the midst of so much stuff, busyness at work, busyness and life stuff, busyness. And I decided because at the time taking a vacation that week would have been problematic. I decided that when I got off work, I wasn't going to stay late for anything. I had no classes or anything of that nature at the church. So I would leave at five on the dot. I called everybody ahead of time and said, okay, after this week, after six o'clock, no phone calls. No text unless it's an emergency. And all I did, I didn't watch any TV. I wasn't, you know, at the time, it was no social media to play with on my phone. If it was, I don't, I don't believe it was. But if it was, it would have been early inception of it. Maybe Facebook was around. I don't think I was on Facebook at the time. But anyway, and I just took six days, five or six days with a few books 
and a notebook and a pen. And I just read and wrote down my thoughts, prayed, and meditated. When I came out of it, I felt refreshed. Just last year, I took three days by myself in a hotel suite, my Bible, five books, and a notepad. Well, actually, I have my iPad to take notes, excuse me. And all I did was work on me. I wasn't there to talk on the phone. I wasn't there to be around family. I wasn't there, just me. What you make important will show up as results. What you make important. Sometimes people want results for the for little work. But you have to make it important enough to put the time in to get the results you desire. Are you willing to put the time in? That's key to get the results because when you don't feel like you're at your best and most powerful and spiritual and in alignment with your truth and the truth, then it's time to step back. Now, everybody, again, like that time when I couldn't take some vacation time, I figured it out. And it might be some time in situations where, you know, people who have children and young children, I get that. You might have to say, hey, friend, grandmama, sister, brother, cousin, I, I need a day to recalibrate and pass your kids on for that day or that weekend and give them money to take care of your kids and work on your consciousness. Work on your consciousness. Don't scroll up and down Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, on the websites, mindlessly watching TV for a whole day or two. I'm not saying it's not okay to turn your brain off. At times it is. It's good. Just allow yourself to recalibrate, but don't make a resting place a permanent place. Work on you and your mind. You have to be able to shut it down sometimes and get past you and your opinions and your mind. One of the things that I love about spiritual reading is it makes me get outside of my own thought and it gives me an opportunity to contemplate the best ideas of other people around whatever the subject is that I'm studying, even if I don't agree with it. Okay, I don't agree with this because, well, I agree with this because, or this is making me stretch, or I feel vibrationally matched to what this is saying. Because we don't recognize sometimes how many blind spots we have with our opinions and positions and point of views. All right. So page 22. You, you are even in your physical expression of flesh, blood and bone, a vibrational being. 
And everything you experience in your physical environment is vibrational. Now, we know this to be true just by looking at really strong microscopes that you put your hand under a strong enough microscope, it will see, you won't see tissue, bone, ligaments, and joints, You and cartilage, you'll see cells. Your, your body is the aggregation or the collection or the working together of 60 trillion cells. They go zoom in more, they'll see molecules bouncing and vibrating around just like the cells they go deeper they'll see atoms bouncing around vibrating they go deeper they'll see the contents of the atom proton electrons neutrons they go deeper they'll see subatomic particles like quarks they go deeper until what they, they call, and I can't remember the, the, the official name of it, but they call it the God particle. You can look it up. You can Google the God particle. You're even physically, you're more than meets the eye. So what keeps all of that together to show up as the physical expression of you? Consciousness. This awareness of being that uses the life, substance, and power of God to show up as spirit, soul, and body. All right. So we need to take a quick, quick break, and I'm going to jump over to chapter six after that. So let's take this quick break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Again, I'm teaching the book, Asking It Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks, based upon the teachings of Abraham, not Abraham the patriarch, by the way, again. Chapter six says, the law of attraction, the most powerful law in the universe. And now we're going to do some drill down on some things, some real drill down, drilling down. Page 25. And I hope you bought the book so we can work with this together. This is my third episode on this, and I'm going to teach the book until I finish it. I'll interject from here and there with some other things, as I mentioned before. We still have a few more interviews to do with the uh, that prayer series I was doing with the different ministers and the Universal Foundation for Better Living. But so I'll interject that with some other things. So, But I'm teaching this book until I'm done. So get the book. It's going to be a while. So the book wrote, or she wrote, every thought vibrates. Every thought radiates a signal. Every thought attracts a matching signal. We call that process the law of attraction. So first of all, let's just deal with the fact that 
every thought vibrates. Again, I want to read a definition by Charles Fillmore found in The Revealing Word. For me, as a new thought practitioner, in particular, particularly in the Universal Foundation for Better Living, I don't pretty much do any studying without my uh, book, The Revealing Word by Charles Fillmore. And if I'm doing Bible work, the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary by Unity, which is primarily based upon the work of Charles Fillmore. So in the definition of thought, on page 193 of the Revealing Word, it reads, a product of thinking, a mental vibration or impulse. Each thought is an identity that has a central ego around which all its elements revolve. Thoughts are capable of expressing themselves. Every thought clothes itself in a life form according to the character of, excuse me, according to the character, give it it by the thinker. The form is simply the conclusion of the thought. Now, in that context, listen to what they wrote. Every thought vibrates. Every thought radiates a signal. Every thought attracts a matching signal back. We call that process the law of attraction. The law of attraction says that which is like until itself is drawn. I will add, not only is it drawn, it's created, it's produced. Just want that the lot land. That which is like unto itself not only is drawn, it is created, it is produced. Right. So they went on the right. And so you might see the powerful law of attraction as sort of as a sort of universal manager that sees to it that all thoughts that match up one another line up. So in other words, this, the law of attraction is saying like energy needs to be with like energy, like thoughts need to be with like thoughts, like feelings need to be with like feelings. Like beliefs need to be like with like beliefs. This is why you see so much tribalism often in the with, amongst human beings, because we are attracted to that which is in alignment with how we identify. Because identification is a form of thinking, feeling, and believing from a particular point of view. So you'll see people with like interests, like beliefs, like ideologies, like philosophies, like religions, like nationalities, like race, like orientations, hanging out together. Why? It's divine law. It's divine law. There's some people that I know I don't vibe with what they do and, and why they do it. I can love them from a distance. I can wish and hope the best for them. I can behold the Christ or the truth in them and not have anything to do with them personally. It's not a vibrational match for me. Be careful. Be careful about allowing people to pull you into situations that lower your level of consciousness. If you're not fortified enough to deal with people at really low levels of consciousness, or just lower than yours, but really, really low levels of consciousness, then be careful. This is why I'm so uh, 
I don't want to use what word do I want to use? I get concerned about people in the field who help people, ministers or clergy. I'll just say clergy across the board, psychologists and mental health professionals, therapists, uh, social workers. Because sometimes you're inundated with people who are dealing with their worst. And you have to have a mechanism. You have to have a method. You have have to have a system that allows you to go into environments without the environment's taking from you. That your consciousness is high enough to bring to the environment. It makes a difference. Especially with the type of work that I just mentioned. Because you're not always going to be dealing with people when they're at their happiest and at their most fulfilled. You're dealing with people many times when they're in their fear, their frustration, their anxiety, their upset, their anger, their grief, their devastation. So that means you have to have a system in place to protect your consciousness. If not, it can be overwhelming. One of the things that I'm very well known for doing is sitting down and just kind of decompressing after I teach. After I finish this podcast, I'm not going to pick up the phone and start jibber-jabbering, chit-chatting with folks. I'm allowing myself to settle because I've given energy I'm out in this podcast. I need to make sure that I recalibrate myself. If I have to go to a hospital and it's all that energy, sometimes fear, grief, anger, frustration, anxiety, I have to pray up before I walk in there to see somebody. Because I have to be able to behold the Christ. Johnny Coleman used to tell us, if you can't walk into that hospital and behold the Christ in that patient and not see the tubes and the, and the, and the you know, machines and all of that stuff, then you're not doing that person any benefit because you're at the same level of the experience and a spiritual practitioner has to be above it. So she would say to us in the minister's meetings, all healing begins in the mind of the practitioner. The practitioner of truth. You have to see the healing in your mind first. So when you see your physical eye see a person, your mind is telling you that's a lie. That's the Christ. That's God's image and likeness. That's a spiritual being. What I'm saying now is this is this is the way you do the work. And this is how I was trained to do the work. When you go into that hospital bed, uh, stand next to that hospital bed. You're not there to brush hair and help them change clothes and all those things are necessary. But as a minister of truth, you have to be able to stand in the gap and be a mechanism that they can hold on to with the whatever amount of belief they have that God is the truth in that situation and it can be transformed. Healing is possible. Like the woman said in the gospel, she said, with the 12 years of issue, they said she had uh, uh, the issue of blood for 12 years, which means she had a continuous menstrual cycle that didn't stop for 12 years. In that society, she would have been unclean because of their laws around blood in ancient Jewish society. 
But she made up in her mind because she heard about this healer named Jesus. And she said, he doesn't have to say a word to me, but if I could just get to him and grab the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made well. And when she did it, Jesus said he felt power leaving him. She was pulling on his consciousness. But guess what? If you don't have a high spiritual consciousness for somebody else to pull on you, pull on, then when it's time for the possible transformation, nothing can happen. Because there's no God understanding. There's no Christ understanding. There's no truth understanding that can be the agent of transformation. All healing begins in the mind of the practitioner. Back to the book. There, she explains it like a radio station. You don't, if you turn to 101 FM, you don't expect to hear 98.6 FM. It's the same thing with the law of attraction. You don't expect to hear the same type of music from one station to another. It's a vibrational match. But check this out. If you're one dial off, you might get some static. You can still hear 102.7 if you have it on 102.8, but it won't be clear. And often that's what happens with us in our demonstrations. We're a little bit off. So it doesn't show up properly. So she wrote, so as you experience cause, so as your experience causes you to launch vibrational rockets of desire, you must then find ways of holding your yourself consistently in vibrational harmony with those desires in order to receive their manifestation. What she's saying is rockets of desires, poetic talk. In other words, as you have these intentions, these desires, you have to be able to hold the consciousness of what it is you say you desire, a knowing, a belief that transitions to knowing and faith that it is already done. This is why Hebrews chapter 11, chapter one says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right, page 26. To what are you giving your attention? Whatever you are giving your attention to, whatever you are giving your attention to causes you to emit a vibration. Remember, I already talked about thought as vibration. Whatever you are giving your attention to causes you to emit a vibration. And the vibrations that you offer equal your asking, which is your which equals your point of attraction. So your attention creates vibration. Your vibration is your asking. Because your asking is your point of attraction. Asking it is given. Seeking you shall find. Knocking the door will be open unto you. It's the same thing. So where your attention goes, your power flows. Then she wrote, if, is, if there is something you desire that you currently do not have, you need only to put your attention upon it. And by the law of attraction, it will come to you. For as you think about this thing or experience that you desire, you offer a vibration. And then by law, that very thing or experience must come to you. Now, what it happens, in my opinion, is people hold on to it for a second, but they don't really get a knowing. They're still, ha they're still uh, praying about it from the standpoint of not having it versus from a consciousness of having it. This is why, you know, Jesus said in Mark. 11, 24, and let me get my Bible as I 
make sure I want to read this exactly the way it is written in a particular translation because that matters to me. You know, I'm like that. Mark eleven twenty four, 24, New Revised Standard Version. It reads, oh, I hit the, I got the wrong translation here. Words attributed to Jesus. So I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Again, so I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You don't pray to get, you pray to know. And your knowing produces the results because it's a vibrational match. So I want to make sure that you're clear about what I'm saying. Now, back to the book. She went on to write, her, if there's something you desire that you currently do not have and you put your attention upon your current state of not having it, then the law of attraction will continue to match the not having it vibration. So you will continue to not have that which you desire. It is law. So basically, when you are putting your mind, when you're putting your mind on truth and you're leaving it there, you're telling divine law, that's what I want. But the worrying, the doubting, the fear, also emit thought, feeling, belief, vibration. And when you're constantly thinking about what you don't have, you're telling the universe, I want more of that. I just want that to land. Focusing on what you don't have brings about the experience of having more of not enough. I just want to be clear about that. So she goes on to say, page 26, how can I know what I'm attracting? And she wrote, the key to bringing something into your experience that you desire is to achieve vibrational harmony with what you desire. The easiest way for you to achieve vibrational harmony with it is to imagine having it, having it, pretend that it is already in your experience. And as you practice those thoughts and begin to consistently offer that vibration, you will then be in the place of allowing that into your experience. What is it saying? Let's break this down just a little bit. First thing, imagine having it. Not imagine getting it. Imagine having it. That's the first thing. Then pretend that it is already in your experience. So that goes together. All right. In your mind, it's all the same thing. Flow your thoughts toward the enjoyment of the experience. That creates the feeling. How would I feel if I was, if I really had it? What type of joy, satisfaction, fulfillment? What, what comes up? Love, harmony, compassion, joy. Fun. So you trend your thoughts toward what what would it feel like if I did have it and get the feeling? This is why Reverend Ike would say, feeling gets the blessing. And then he wrote that she wrote, and as you practice those thoughts, meaning you're conditioning your consciousness and begin to consistently offer that vibration. Why? Because you're keeping your mind focused. You're keeping the main thing, the main thing. You're not allowing your thoughts to scatter all over the place. Because that could be a definite reason why people don't have what they desire. Because there's no concentration. 
And then you will be in the place of allowing that to your experience. So now I have another definition from Charles Fillmore. This is concentration, again, found in the revealing word. Concentration, a thought center, a nucleus of faith or spiritual confidence, the centering of the attention on a particular idea. Concentration forms a mental lodestone in the mind to which thought to which thought substance rushes like iron feelings to a magnet, bringing the forces, whether mental or physical, to a common place. So as you concentrate, you are bringing concentrated vibration to a thing, concentrated thought to a thing, concentrated feeling to a thing, concentrated belief that draws the forces, the infinite, potentialities, the unlimited possibilities, the spiritual powers and forces that you're connected to through your oneness with God, the divine law of God to the experience. This is why concentration makes a difference. And this is why meditation and daily affirmation is a master skill. This is why visualization and visioning is a master skill because it focuses the mind and where your attention goes, your power flows. Now she wrote, now by paying attention to the way you feel, you can easily know that if you are giving your attention to your desire or if you are giving it to the absence of your desire, am I knowing that I have it or am I praying about something that I don't have that I'm not connected to? Then she wrote, page 27, and so as you become consciously aware of your emotions, you will always know how you are doing with the allowing part of your creative process. And you will never again misunderstand why things are turning out the way they are. So in other words, you have the feeling like I'm on board or I'm not. Am I allowing? Am I in the space of permitting, allowing or letting the goodness of God show up in my experience? Or am I dealing with inner resistance? As the man said to Jesus, um, when Jesus asked him, um, could he, you know, he, he came to Jesus and said, can you heal my son? He brought him to the disciples first. Jesus was off praying. He came back and and the disciples were not getting anywhere with this particular boy. And Jesus said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And the father said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And that's often where we are. But Jesus's consciousness was so elevated, he was able to transcend and uh, the unbelief and hold and work with the belief. This is why you have to have your spiritual practices intact. Jesus came off of the mountain to pray, out of the wilderness to pray. He came from a high levels of consciousness. That's what mountains represent metaphysically. Going up in the mountain. Metaphysically, it just symbolizes being in a high state of consciousness. Going into your wilderness, you might have to go into those desolate, lonely spaces in your mind so you can get clear about what God is seeking to do in you, through you, as you. All right. So moving on. By the powerful law of attraction, you draw to you, to you the essence of whatever you are predominantly thinking about. 
Someone once wrote, man is what he thinks about all day long. Johnny Coleman used to say, I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. So Esther Hicks went on to write, whatever you're thinking about is like planning a future event. When you are appreciating, you are planning. When you are worrying, you are planning. Worrying is using your imagination to create something you do not want. Every thought, every idea, every being, every thing is vibrational. So when you focus your attention on something, even for a short period of time, the vibration of your being begins to reflect the vibration of that which you are giving your attention to. It's saying the same thing over and over again. You are a mental atmosphere that is always producing and attracting experiences that are consistent with your mental atmosphere. Because your mental atmosphere is a vibration. Okay? Now, at the bottom of this page, it's a statement that I want you just to look at from spiritual discernment, not from your past and not from your pain. She wrote, Nothing can occur in your life experience without your invitation of it through thought. Mm. People have gone through things. Now, I want you to be understand my perspective on this. I'm a big believer that the mass consciousness, the, 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 the universal consciousness, Charles Fremont called it the race consciousness, the collective of human thinking has many levels of vibration, thoughts, feelings, beliefs, ideologies, concepts, all type of stuff. Just a, for, for, a meta, for a metaphor, a matrix of different thoughts. And you can pick up on fear and frustration, anxiety, and other things that draw corresponding energy to it. So what you want to do is as much as you possibly can. And don't worry about what happened in the past because you can't change that. You can you can relabel it. You can make it mean something different now. But you can't go back in the past and actually make the facts different. You can just change the meaning you give it. But now you can say, okay, how do I live above many of the things that are happening in the world? Joe Goldsmith talks about this in The Foundation of Mysticism. How to live above 80 to 90% of the stuff that happens to the average individual. The dramas, the, the violence, the other stuff, the trauma. How do you live above it? You have to live above it in consciousness. So uh, to, to, to you know, use the paraphrase that people use in the Bible, depending on the translation, I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. Therefore, it can't touch me. It can't touch me. It doesn't have any power over me. I live above it. So, yes, this stuff is happening. But I live above it. Because I work on my consciousness. You got to be in that space. Okay. That might be people's experience. That does not have to be my experience. I'm responsible for my consciousness and I'm responsible for my experience. And can you accept the possibility? What I'm saying to you is, can you accept the possibility 
that you can live above stuff that touches other people. I like literally live above it. Right down to when your soul is ready to leave this body instead of being sick and lingering and break down and can't take care of yourself. You can just go to sleep and release the body and be done with it without pain, fighting, resistance, and suffering. You can live above it financially. You can love, live above it health. You can live above it as far as peace of mind is concerned. And circumstances and situations. This is one of the reasons why when, when my daughter was a child, I would take her to daycare and then school. Before we pulled out of the garage, I would always have her, we would always recite the prayer for protection together. I can remember one day we're leaving out of the garage and I was, you know, running a little bit behind. And, and I was pulling out of the garage. She said, Daddy, uh, we didn't say the prayer for protection. Which, for those who don't know, depend, you know, it's versions of the light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us wherever we are. God is personally. The light of God surrounds me. The love of God enfolds me. The power of God protects me. The presence of God watches over me. Wherever I am, God is. It's creating the consciousness for what it is. Wherever I am, God is. So I don't know what possibly could have happened that didn't happen just because I was preparing my consciousness before I left the house. But I can tell you how many almost accidents have happened where people lost control of their cars. Uh, I remember a car doing three 360s behind me, directly behind me. It missed me. I can't tell you how many times that situations like that have happened. And I just chalk it up. And it can be my own interpretation and meaning. And that's fine for me. That me being prayed up keeps me just far enough from things that could devastate my life. And I'm saying that's possible for you. And not just keep you away from things, but also produce things that can enhance your life. Back to the book. <sighs> Okay. Let me go on here. It says, uh, page 28, you are a summoner of vibrational energy. You are consciousness. You are energy. You are vibration. You are electricity. You are source energy. You are the creator. You are on the leading edge of thought. All right. Then she wrote, even though it may seem odd to you at first, it will be helpful for you to begin to accept yourself as a vibrational being. For this is a vibrational universe in which you are living, and the laws that govern this universe are vibrationally based. We say it this way. I'm a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. All right? So, page 29. That which is like unto itself is drawn. So the vibration of your being must match the vibration of your desire in order for your desire to be fully received by you. <clears throat> you cannot desire something, predominantly focus on the absence of it, and then expect to receive it because the vibrational frequency of its absence and the vibrational frequency of its presence are very different frequencies. Another way of saying that is your desires and your beliefs must be a vibrational match in order for you to receive that which you desire. 
the new thought we had we said you have it by right of consciousness do you have the consciousness for what it is you say you desire last point i'm going to teach on this chapter you are here having experiences that cause you and your divinely specific perspective to identify consciously or unconsciously your personal preferences now as that happens source who hears you and adores you immediately answers your vibrational electronic requests whether you are able to put conscious verbal words to it or not all right what this is basically saying is this whether you say it or not you're holding it in mind you're holding it as a belief as a feeling as a in as a the thought and as you continue to Go down those trends of thought. You're telling the universe, this is what I want. Whatever, you know, now when you speak it, and you're even your thought and your feeling and your words, your actions and reactions are all in alignment. Now you're powerful. But it gives you something to work on. So hopefully, this podcast today has given you the opportunity to look at things differently. If you have not bought the book, asking it is given by Esther and Jerry Hicks, buy it. Again, because I'm teaching it chapter by chapter. Let's work with this together and let's get this good. God bless. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.